0: Lesson from the letter of St. Paul the Apostle to the Romans, Brethren, owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this sentence, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. At that time Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and, behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O men of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? The Saving Words of the Gospel Today we have the famous Seen out on the Sea of Galilee uh, in Matthew 8, you know, remember our context in the previous chapters. There was the great discourse on the Mount, and then the Lord healed as he came to Capernaum. There was a healing of the leper and the centurion. Then he went to Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. Then he spent a lot of time there healing and uh, and exercising, uh, casting demons out of people. And after this, he said, "Okay, we're going to go across the sea now." And uh, since they were at Capernaum, which is Peter's home base, they probably Peter, a professional fisherman, and as some of his other apostles were uh, pros at handling the boat, they probably used Peter's boat. So they get into into, the, into Peter's boat, and off they go across the sea. And there's a terrible storm. And uh, one of the things I I learned from uh, a pilgrimage to the Holy Land is how that area of the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by heights. And if the wind were to really whip up, it would, it would, it would pour down, the the air would pour down onto the sea from different directions, and it could create a herringbone sea, which, where you have waves crisscrossing, and it could be very difficult, it's very difficult to navigate a sea like that. But it must have been pretty bad if it it frightened um, these men who, some of whom were real, you know, professionals and using their boats all their lives on these, on the waters that they knew very well. And so we have this situation where the boat is being tossed and tossed and tossed, and yet the Lord is asleep. Well, that's not usually possible in a boat, a fairly small boat that's being tossed around and swamped by waves. I mean, you get wet and you're thrown around. You're not usually asleep. But here's the Lord sleeping, so there must be some point to this. How is it that the Lord is sleeping in this context? Well, St. Augustine of Hippo has a, a suggestion about this, and I think it's very good. And it also helps us to uh, pry something open in our own lives. Uh, in Augustine, in a very short sermon, uh, one of the shortest that we have, I guess, by the way, uh, sermon 63. Uh, we are not quite sure about the date of it, but um, because of its length, um it could be that it came somewhat later in his career because his his, his late sermons tended to be a little bit shorter. But any, in any event, doesn't make any difference. Augustine, in interpreting this episode of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter eight, comments that the Lord was not sleeping pointlessly or only because he couldn't help it. Because he was, you know, weary because of the work he had been doing in Capernaum, you know, before that, um, Augustine makes the point that the Lord, who is master over death itself, is certainly going to be then the master over something that's less than death, which is sleep. So, as sleeping had a point to it, Augustine goes on and he likens the. Uh, The church to this boat which I uh, am very interested in especially because if it's Peter's boat then it's Peter's bark and the church is often described as the bark of Peter Peter's boat so Augustine likens the church to a paltry piece of wood a phrase taken from the book of wisdom a paltry piece of Of wood. However, then he shifts the image and he makes the analogy of the boat to be with that of our own heart. Say we hear an insult of some sort or something that would otherwise. Uh, provoke us to to rage and or frustration uh, or anxiety and so forth say we hear something that it provokes in us this strong reaction this is like the wind and the waves battering this little little boat it disturbs our hearts and it rocks them and just as the boat is tossed in the water and threatened with being overwhelmed or Or shipwreck so too disordinate anger and maybe desire for revenge and all of the negative things that comes from having an unsettled heart um, threaten us too with a kind of spiritual shipwreck a spiritual swamping Um, and why because Christ is asleep in our hearts not awake and active in our hearts this is Augustine talking Christ is asleep in our hearts because we have not given him his due and once Christ is awake in our hearts again then the storm calms and we recover ourselves and we recover our our composure now moving away from Augustine and back towards something that uh, I had actually uh, talked about and written about not too long ago um, when we had the gospel we had the we had a, a discussion of meekness and meekness is one of the one of the things that the Holy Spirit brings to those who are in the state of grace um, and the Lord talks about um, uh, to learn from him to learn meekness from him now meekness is not timidity uh, it mustn't ever be confused with cowardice um, he, meekness is the fruit of the interior balance of the soul in harmony with God. It leads the soul to perfect self possession. And so, when we see people losing control, that is the opposite of meekness. However, a person who has this meekness remains calm and patient. No matter what's going on, and this is a a sign of Christ being in the heart. We can also talk about it as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a, a very very wise priest uh, who belongs to the SSPX, named Father Patrick Troedek, and he's written some beautiful books on different seasons of the year. And he had a he had a little description uh, he had a little discussion of meekness, and uh, he said that. Um, Let's see uh, if I can find this quote here. Ah, yes. This quality comes across even in the slightest details of daily life. For example, a gentle person, in other words, a person who has meekness, does not open a door or move a piece of furniture in the same way as a person lacking that quality. The practice of meekness is difficult without an ordered life. Okay, well, there are a couple things going on here. First of all, um, what we are inside will manifest itself outward in our words and our deeds, just as those things which Christ was manifested themselves outwardly in his dicta et facta, the things that he said and the things that he did. Well, so too with us. And if the inside is disordered, then the, out, then the outward expression is going to be disordered as well. If Christ is asleep in our hearts, as Augustine makes the point, then there's going to be this disordered fear, anxiety, and different desires that flow from those negative things that, have, that, have, that could serve to provoke us. If Christ is awake in our hearts, then our outward expressions are also going to reflect that but there's also this point of an ordered life for the practice of meekness is difficult without an ordered life he says well if everything around you is jumbled and chaos and it is a sphere over which you have a certain measure of control well then the outward The outward expression is also disordered. It's coming. There's a there's an interior disorder, but it works both ways, doesn't it? If the if everything about you is jumbled in chaos, then that also might result in a certain jumble and chaos in your own in your own mind and sensibilities. An ordered life, however, something that's nice and ordered, and things are in their place, and time is being used properly, and and um, when you're attending uh, in in a hierarchy of 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 needs to your state in life and your loves are ordered and so forth, with God at the top and all created things according to your vocational state of life follow from that. Well, these things all work together in a harmony, and it's when you introduce a, a disharmonious element that something can that something can go wrong. And so I think. Um, we have to, uh, we have to take, we have to take this, uh, this beautiful pericope that we have and use it as a point of reflection, um, examining ourselves and asking us, how is it that I, how, how do I really, how do I truly react to provocation, uh, when I think see things going on, maybe even in the church described, you know, by Augustine as this that image for wisdom 10 this paltry piece of wood that's being tossed even as, as it's being tossed around right now and you know how we can be we can be angered and, and frustrated and anxious because we love the church and we don't want to see it this way or, the, or certain people within it treated the way that they're being treated and so we have to ask ourselves how our reactions are to these things are they ordered or disordered um, it's a good way to reflect on our ourselves and, and the the patterns that we create around us in our lives. Um, considering also, connect, making a connection between uh, the reaction of the apostles, uh, the way that the Lord rebuked uh, the wind and the waves, uh, battering the heart, battering the disturbed heart, and then um, uh, this uh, this uh, beautiful... Uh, uh, characteristic that's in the soul from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit which we call meekness uh, these are good points and about the heart you know Augustine writes about the heart a lot um, right now uh, professor uh, Robert Royal is doing a course online about Augustine's confessions and the issue of the heart comes up there uh, often and um, uh, in 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 the early part, you know, the the, the confessions, of Augustine says, Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. <clears throat> well, this is in, in a sense that reflection of meekness. Remember that the Lord that we are made in the image and likeness of God. So the Lord reveals to us how who we are supposed to be. As the Second Vatican Council says in paragraph two of the Gaudium space, the Lord came into the world. To reveal man more fully to himself, so when we when we see in the Lord is is something that reveals to us who we are, and so our hearts are going to be restless until they are ordered in the proper way or in the proper place. In book thirteen of the Confessions, toward the end, he has this image of the weight. It's the weight metaphor, the amor meus pondus meum. He talks about my my love is my weight. Going back to an ancient concept of gravity, uh, the ancient peoples thought that there was some kind of uh, character in objects that made them want to go to the place where they belonged. Gravity wasn't a force working upon them. It was an internal need or longing, as it were, to go to the place where it's supposed to be. So some things like fire go up and Rocks go down and so forth. But he uses this this metaphor of weight, um, depending on the ancient notion of gravity, for his heart, for love. Amor meus pondus meum. My love is my weight. My love is my gravity, my gravity force trying to make me go to where I'm supposed to be. Which is why you can have then a phrase, my heart is restless until it rests in thee, O oh Lord because the heart is trying to go to the place where it's supposed to be and um, uh, there is a just to make a just to make a a kind of a a banal analogy um, uh, Harry Potter Harry Potter movie I know some people are uh, some people say that Harry Potter movies are terrible um, I've seen a couple of them and you know they're well, they they are what they are, and uh, leaving aside all the issue of uh, the magic or witchcraft or something like that, there's a scene in which they they this house is a wreck, and uh, one of the wizards uses a uh, waves a wand thing and uh, to put it all back into order and um, so there's this a few seconds of all these objects whirling around in the room and going back to where they're supposed to be. They're scattered in chaos, and total disorder, and then they all are whizzing around and things are going back in shells and putting themselves back together and so forth. And at the end, when everything is kind of calm, there's this funny little squeaking sound, and uh, as as it seems, uh, the hairy character has his foot on one of the little cut glass pieces that belongs in a chandelier. And it's 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 wiggling back and forth and making this little squeaky sound and as soon as he picks his foot up off of it it goes ding and pick and attaches itself to the chandelier again where it is still kind of a banal image but it's it's just to help drive the point home that when there's disorder there is going to be restlessness. Anxiety, fear, uh, one can become more easily provoked, confused, and and put off of one's true vocation. Whereas, if Christ is awake in the boat of the heart, um, then there is every reason to be calm, because we are exactly Um, where we are supposed to be even if it's in the midst of a storm.